rebirth. And I would encourage you to uh, listen to the message again and I uh, trust that you'll be uh, blessed. Today's message, if I had to give it a title, I'd, I'd call it Staying Alive. Um, on the front of the newsletter, there's a picture of Staying Alive. And unfortunately for me, I think that is a song that really gets stuck in my head. Um, but it's also a song that I kind of sing in myself when I'm wanting to kind of G myself up a bit. Uh, I just get that beat and that sound and, and it's a song that just comes to, to my head and it gets stuck there. But this particular, I'm uh, just going to show a really short video clip so that you can share in that same beat that gets stuck in my head. But this is taken from, oh, there we go. with you, I did try that leg thing at home um, and it really hurts. So uh, I'm happy for someone to come and try, um, but uh, yeah, it really hurts. Uh, listen, I've never seen the film before, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, when I went to YouTube, that was what came up. Apparently that song was made famous as part of the movie. It was the Bee Gees' big break was writing that tune for that particular song. But what strikes me is, is there's this, this young man who, who is uh, struggling to survive in a big city. That's a key theme of the song. And, and this, this young man kind of goes through this renewal. Throughout the whole week, he's just carrying around a tin of paint. And then on Saturday night, it's like he renews himself. He pulls out the hairdryer and he gets the right gold chain and he gets the right shirt. And then he just moves and grooves on the dance floor, which I have never done in my life. <laughs> I just wonder if there's any brave people here who would put their hand up and say, I, I know how to dance, or I did dance. Oh, there we go. Look at that. I, do, I see husbands and spouses dobbing in their neighbour, spouse and others. and Yeah, I don't understand... The groove, but I know that when Travolta was doing those moves, it kind of looks good, doesn't it? I, I don't get it myself, but it kind of looks good. You know, part of the lyrics of that song, Staying Alive, towards the end, there's this phrase that they repeat Life's going nowhere, somebody help me, somebody help me, yeah. I can hear the person singing in my mind. I'm not going to sing it for you, it's okay. Life's going nowhere, somebody help me. Somebody help me, yeah. And, and, and one of the other things that I like about this clip is the process by which Travolta puts on these clothes specifically for...
for going out. You know, clothes really affect us. Some people just know how to dress. I'm not one of those. But some people just know how to look good. Do you, have you ever recalled the moment where you dressed yourself really well and you knew it? You looked in the mirror and you thought, I'm hot. You just, the shirt's right and, and the hair's right, everything's right. And, and you head out to that place and people are just commenting left, right and centre. Has that ever happened to you before? Has it never happened before? <laughs> Changes of clothes really affect us. Um, have a look at this. Same person, two different sets of clothes. Uh, just beard, change of hairstyle. It's a radical transformation, would you agree? It's the same person, but something's been renewed. There's, there's a, something has occurred to, to turn this person from one to another. I'm going to skip over a slide because I don't think it really works anymore. Um, this is also a picture I found on the internet. Uh, when Nick Shahadi puts on his SEAL 6 uniform, he completely transforms. And, uh, and, and so, so, so this, this, this effect of clothing, this effect of putting on something, has an ability to also affect us. When you wear something, it affects you also. And I want to show this to you through a bit of a uh, few passages in Exodus chapter 28. Um, I want to show you that actually the clothes we wear is important to staying alive. So in Exodus chapter 28, it's, it's a great chapter. I'd encourage you to read it this afternoon, but it's the calling of the priests. And, and so I want to say today that if we're going to stay alive, we need to understand our calling. And the very first verse of this chapter reads this, Have Aaron your brother brought to you from among the Israelites and his sons, so that they may serve me as priests. Staying alive always begins with a calling. It's not us who call ourselves, but we are being called out. In fact, the church name, as we understand it from the Greek, it wouldn't be church, it would be called out ones. We are called first and foremost. Everything between the divine and creation always has God acting first and calling first and speaking first. It's God always first. And Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 2.5 about the priesthood. So here it's talking about Aaron, but really this is appropriate to all of us. You are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. You are sitting next to and behind and in front of fellow priests. I don't think we think like that enough. Would, would you agree with that? Is that a fair statement? I really don't think we remind ourselves enough that we are priests. I, I don't think we do. You know, we can cope with being called a particular vocation or skill set. We can, we can take a name that relates to our work. We can take a name that relates to our family, relates to specific titles. Yes, we can do that. But do we actually remind ourselves that, you know what, we're called to be priests. We're called to be priests. The second thing from this particular chapter is the very next verse is about clothing. Interesting. 
The very next verse says, Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Sacred clothing. Staying alive means being aware that we wear something, that we wear something sacred. And that part of what we wear is, is sacred, it also gives us dignity and honor. It's not just us, it's also the clothes that we wear. And it's not just the clothes that we wear, it's also us. Staying alive means being clothed in sacred garments. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be here. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be verse 2. Something of the principle of being called and then being clothed is very closely connected, and I don't believe that has changed for us today. The third thing is about command. If you fast forward all the way to the end of the chapter, verses 42 and 43, there's a command given that says, Aaron and his sons must wear them, the garments, whenever they enter the presence of God. In fact, verse 42 specifically speaks about the first pair of boxer shorts ever made. Verse 42 says, Make linen undergarments covering the body from the waist to the thighs. The very first boxer shorts. What I find interesting about these boxer shorts is that I don't know who's wearing boxers right now, to be honest, unless you're an American rapper and everything else is hanging down except the boxers. But I don't know if you're wearing undergarments or not. I'm assuming, and I don't even think about it. Yet God is very interested in your undergarments. The unseen things. Yes, there is a robe and a sacred garment that we wear on the outside that speaks to people who see us, but God also sees what others can't see. God sees our undergarments. Interesting. God's not interested in just what we show on the outside. He's interested in what's also not seen. These things are critical to staying alive. I think we have a shared responsibility that we live our life in such a way that obeys the command of God even when people aren't looking. We all come to church today. We're all dressed up sweet, aren't we? We've all got smiles We all look the part. We look like Christians. Would you agree? I look like a Christian today. You know, in my own little home, my own little space, I'm not sure if I look like a Christian sometimes, the way I dress. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Who's got a favourite pair of tracky pants or a favourite T-shirt or a favourite, just a favourite shirt that is like 20 plus years old? My wife had a jumper that I reckon she got when she was 13. It's the ugliest colours in history, and I think you've still got it. I chucked it out. Well, there you go. That's an update. God is at work. (laughs) But I believe that if we follow the commands of the Lord, not just in the garments we wear on the outside, but also on the inside, we achieve a consistency in our life, a consistency that speaks powerfully, not only to ourselves, not only to people around about us, but it speaks to the Lord Himself. That's what it means to be a priest, to have a consistency in our life, not just when we're on show, but when we're in our private spaces when no one can see. We end up with a consistent life when we follow His command. These things are critical to staying alive. 
So now I want to take you forward about 1,400 years to this pleading and begging of the Apostle Paul. We've already heard Nick share about the Apostle Paul today. I, I want to say to you that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, this is a very rare moment in the Scriptures, I believe. In the ancient Near East, there was not a culture of begging and pleading. Only beggars begged. Only slaves, people with no power, pleaded. It wasn't the done thing. It's still not the done thing today. To go to somebody and beg and plead, we ought to pay very special attention to what is being said. I want you to imagine someone who you really trust. It could be a very, very dear friend of yours who you absolutely trust. It could be a grandparent. It could be a spouse. I want you to imagine that they come to you and they get on their knees and they plead, they beg you to heed something that is being said. They beg with all their heart. They beg cautiously because they're taking a risk in what they're saying. But they are hoping without a shadow of a doubt that what they're pleading for, you will take hold of within your heart. Have you ever experienced that before? When someone has come to you and almost begged or pleaded? Or have you ever gone to someone and maybe done that? Pleaded, please, please, please. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, plead to you, to lead a life worthy of your calling. To lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. So I want to unpack this calling idea. I want to unpack what the Apostle Paul is really pleading for. We've learned about the priests of the Old Testament and, and how calling and clothing and command is all connected together. And I don't think the Apostle Paul is doing anything different. So let's look at this life out of Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles there, turn to uh, chapter 4, verses 17 to 24, please. And we're following on in the same chapter from that pleading, that begging that Paul emphatically makes, passionately makes. I'm begging you, Christian. I'm begging you, believer, to lead your life worthy of your calling. And verse 17 says this. Uh, I've just adjusted a little bit of the passage there to, I think, reflect more directly uh, uh, what it's saying for us. So with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer like your culture, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God. Uh, they, they wander far from the life of God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature. Hear the analogy of clothing here. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. 
put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would hear your word today afresh, that it would renew us and that we would know what it means to stay alive in you. And everybody said, Amen. I just want to pull out a few points from this passage of Scripture that I believe will help us in maintaining a life that remains anew. So the first, very first verse, uh, the word that stands out to me is authority. Authority. Are you absolutely clear on the authority of the name of Jesus? Are you absolutely uh, uh, sold out? Are you firmly in your mind a believer of the name of Jesus in every situation? Are you clear on the authority of Christ, His authority over everything you see around you and what you don't see? Are you fully persuaded of His authority? Because it's with His authority that the Apostle Paul talks about this next bit of Scripture. It's in His authority. Apostle Paul makes it clear, it's not my authority, it's not something I've come up with, it's in the authority of Jesus. I wonder how our lives would change for the better if we grabbed hold of the authority of Christ in all things. I wonder how it would change the way we think and act and view a situation if we grabbed hold of the authority of Jesus and we spoke it into every situation we face in our life. I wonder if it would change us. I wonder if it would have the opportunity to change the circumstances that seem impossible. You see, authority is a well-known uh, facet of humanity. People love authority. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. I'm, Nick, I'm the boss. John, I'm the boss. We, we know authority. We love saying I'm the boss. Who do you love saying they're the boss? Not me. I don't want that headache and responsibility. We love saying we're the boss. In fact, we know authority when you're driving on the road and you see those red and, and yet blue lights flashing and you pull over, and then they drive straight by, whew, man, my heart was racing. I saw a $500 fine, four demerit points. I was saying, Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, and they drive straight by. They have authority, don't they? The politicians have authority. Teachers have authority. I said, be quiet! When a teacher really gets up and, and says it, man, I mean, Mark Trelaw, have a, you know. Authority? Authority. We know authority. We know when authority speaks how powerful it is, yet where does the name of Jesus fit in all that? What about his authority? Do, are we fully persuaded? You see, the world understands authority and takes it, for itself. In Luke chapter 4, it's the temptation of Jesus. And note what the Satan, note what the devil says. The devil's speaking to Jesus. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. Because they are mine to give to whomever I please. The devil believed he had the authority to tempt Jesus, saying, I will give you the authority for these kingdoms, Jesus. The world craves authority for self. It's always for self. Yet Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, that he saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. 
And then what does he say to his disciples who he's sending out two by two? He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What is it in your life that you need to trample over this week? What are the snakes and scorpions that block your way? You know, if, if Arnie Moore knew there was a snake right here, I wonder if she would walk down this way. Um, Leonie, would you walk down this way? There's a snake. If you knew there was a snake here, would you walk down this way? Well, according to what Jesus says, we can trample on snakes. Either the Bible's true or it isn't. Either we believe it or we don't. If there is a snake here, I have the authority to trample over that situation with confidence. And it goes further than that. It says, I can overcome. Such is the authority that we have in Jesus. So whatever situation is you're facing, you can take the authority you have in Christ and you can trample over it in your own hearts, in your own minds, that you can be clear in yourself that that is a snake and a scorpion and I will walk over it. In fact, I will not just, I will trample it. Because in Christ we are overcomers. That's what the Word says. Authority. The second thing the Word gives us a picture of is our culture. It says that our culture has closed their minds, hardened their hearts, the senses are gone, and simply live for pleasure. That is the culture we are in. Many people have closed their minds off to the possibility of God. We can believe in an, in a, in an old earth, but there's no way we can believe in a young earth. It's just not possible. It's impossible. I'll be open-minded to an old earth, but I'm not going to be open-minded to a young earth. There are Christians who have that struggle. There are Christians who close their mind off to things. I, I, I believe in our context, we can close off our minds to God's miracle-working power. We can close off our minds the possibility for God to intervene into a situation. We can close off the opportunity for God to do what He said He will do. We can just give up on the promises that we've stood on. We can give up on the hopes that we have. We, they're still there, but they're on the shelf. They're not at work. It's dangerous for the Christian to take on the culture of our world. Very dangerous. The first thing we do is we close off our mind. Then when we close off our mind to that person or that thing, we harden our hearts. Our hearts become hard and, and, and nothing matters anymore. And then after that, we lose all senses. We don't care anymore. And so when you don't care, when your heart is hardened, when your mind is closed, what else is there but to live for pleasure? I, I worked with many people, really good but talented, well-paid professionals. And at the end of the day, all they were living for was any authority that they could gain for themselves and pleasure. That's, that's all they had. That's what it come down to. There was nothing left for them. Nothing left for them. The third point is to throw off. Throw off these old clothes. Throw off clothes that don't matter. Throw them off. Because we have learned of the truth. We understand the truth. So therefore, those things that sneak in, those, those things that grab hold of us and cause us to, to close off our mind and cause us to harden our hearts, we can throw all that off. We can 
get rid of that. It's a physical thing that we can do. We, we can almost do it in our minds and throw them off. I, I don't know how you go, but it's really hard to put on new clothes when you're still wearing old clothes. It's really hard. Have you tried it before? You know those dress-up uh, games or when you when you like... I remember as a kid, you'd, you'd be doing this relay. It's a dress-up relay. And you'd pull on some old tracksuit pants and you'd pull on an old jumper and you'd have to run. It's really hard. It's hard enough to swim in one set of clothes. But have you ever tried to swim in two sets of clothes? It is so hard. I would suggest you won't last long. It's really hard. Paul pleads with us to throw off. There's this aggressive overtone. Get rid of it. Don't have anything to do with it. Rip it off and get rid of it. Let it be gone. But what does Paul say to then put on? He says, he says to put on a new garment, to put on something that is new, something that makes you new. It's a bit like Exodus chapter 28 when the priests put on those special sacred garments. When we put on Christ, we put on dignity. When we put on Christ, we put on honour. When we put him on, we begin to change because we are putting Christ on. We are putting on his nature. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like Christ, truly righteous and holy. The scholar called N.T. Wright, who I really like, says, Christ's death and resurrection not only mark the decisive defeat of sin and death, but launched God's long-awaited renewal of creation. God is in the business of renewing all things. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is loaded with these ideas of renewal, new creation, at work reconciling all things under himself. It's just fully loaded. The Gospel of John is full of these ideas of renewal and recreation. In fact, it is... It is so much bent towards this recreation concept that the Gospel of John, John writes that Mary, at the tomb of Jesus, looks at a man who she thinks is a gardener. Why is that significant? Because when God made us, where did he place us? In his garden. He's renewing all things. He's making all things new. By putting on the new... What, what Jesus is really saying, what, what, what Paul's getting across to us, what God desires is that we would dwell in his presence. In Genesis chapter 3, it records how, how God would come in the cool evening breeze every day. The Ruach of God, this, this Spirit of God, this wind of God, this power, the same power that was breathed into into this heap of clay that caused humanity to take on the very image of God. By putting on Christ, by putting on this new nature, what we're really doing is entering into his presence. We're spending time with him. I'm not talking about sitting in church before a preacher, sitting in, in front of another teaching class with a lecturer. I'm not talking about sitting in front of a YouTube and watching someone speak. I'm talking about just you and the Lord. When was the last time that happened? When was the last time it was just you and him? Nothing else. Nothing else. No internet, nothing. 
Let me tell you, if you start doing that, you will find opposition. You will find every thought comes into your head to crowd out. You will find every distraction. You will find every pressing issue weighing in on you as you take a step to sit in the presence of God, just you and Him. You will face, just, just give it a shot, just give it a try. You will face it, you will feel it. There will be everything against that process. Paul is pleading for us to renew our minds. What does that mean? Well, if you're up for a challenge, maybe this week, for the next six days, Monday onwards, for six days, just take six minutes and just read a verse and pray and spend time with the Lord. Just six minutes. Allow that small amount of time to have a monumental result and harvest in your life. Because you see, when you saw Travolta put new clothes on, they didn't all go on at once, did they? He got the hair right, he got the shower going, he chose the right shirt, he chose the right pants, the right shoes. There was a process to getting dressed, was there not? When the priests in Exodus 28 got dressed, there was a process by which they dressed themselves. It wasn't just put everything on at once. There was a step-by-step process. Can I encourage you this week to put something new on, to wear something new? I don't know what that means for you. I'd love to speak to you. I'd love to give you some ideas. But this really comes down to you as a priest before the Most High God. Renew your minds. Renew your mind. Staying alive means putting on the new. A few verses earlier from the one that Nick read today, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. The NIV says, renewing your mind. Let God renew your mind. Staying alive means having our mind renewed. Because as we heard last week, there are cells that are constantly dying in me and they need to be replaced by new cells. If we don't go through this process of renewing our mind every day, we die. The only way to stay alive is to renew our mind. It's the only way. It's the only way. I don't want to just be a Christian baby. I want to be someone who's alive. I want to be someone who is entering into the calling that God has got for me. Staying alive. Staying alive. Is that, is that the cry of your heart? To stay alive in Christ. This passage of scripture I want to leave you with as we close. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. There's that word again. Anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, do you trust God enough that he's actually got some good things for you to do? Or is the only good things in your life the work of your own hands, the ideas of your own hands? God's got some great things for you. He's got some good things for you. Again, during communion, Joseph had no idea the good things that were ahead of him. Yet he had to endure patiently. God's got good things planned for you. He's not done with you yet. You're not 80 and finished. In fact, if you look at when Moses and Aaron brought Israel out of Egypt, do you know how old they were? They were in their 80s. Do we have any 80-year-olds here? Heather, I still don't believe you. Let's all take a vote. Who believes Heather is in her 70s? 
All in favour say aye. The ayes have it. Motion passed. Thank you. Do you believe that you're a masterpiece? Do you believe that you are something so precious and so beautiful to God? We don't mess around with our masterpieces. They go in the special spot of our house. They hang for all to see. You are his masterpiece. Will you accept what God says about you or will you struggle in your own understanding? Will you take on what God says to you and says, you are my masterpiece, Heather? Claire with an eye, you are my masterpiece. Do we take that on board or do we struggle with our own understanding of who we are? Another beautiful passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says this, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And listen to this, he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a phenomenal verse. What an incredible passage of scripture. You are each invited as his priests into partnership with Jesus. What is Jesus doing? He's he's renewing the world to himself. He's restoring all things. You are part of that partnership. You are invited into that work. I can tell you this right now, that when you get to heaven, you are not going to sit there and go, man, I wished I watched that Netflix documentary I missed. When you get to heaven, you're not going to sit there and go, you know what, I never had a meal at Lenzerhide. I always knew it was good. When you get to heaven, you're not going to think, man, I wished I went on that trip to America. I I just wished, I wished I got to see the Great China Wall, Harry. I wished I got to see that. It's going to be the furthest thing from your mind. When you get to heaven, you're not going to think, I never owned an Armani suit. (laughs) When I get to heaven, I'm going to say, I never look like Davinda. (laughs) That'll be the comedy program in heaven. I'm not going to say those things, guys. And you're not going to say those things either. You're not going to get there and go, I wished I did this, I wished I did that. I wished I had this experience, I wished I had that experience. I wonder how much time we spend chasing those things now while we're here on earth. I I, I wonder. I wonder how much time we spend, how much resources, how much energy we spend chasing those things that when we get to heaven will not matter one bit. I, I just wonder. Because you see, I have a calling that is much greater than that. My calling is to partner with Jesus himself. What else matters? What else really matters if we take that to its extreme? If we take that to its full, does anything else matter? I don't think it does. You see, you never reach a place where my service is done. I've given enough to God. I've done enough for the church. I've run my race and now I'm finished. I'm on the downhill run. I'm pulling out of everything I'm doing. I'm no longer giving and contributing like I used to. If you reach that place, you've bought into the culture of this world. That is not the culture of heaven. Because you are invited to a partnership and I don't see an expiry date there. I'm sorry, Heather. If you are 80, there's no expiry date on that partnership. You are partnered with Jesus forever, for your entire life, from when you gave your heart to him to when it's all finished. You are in partnership with Jesus. There is never a moment where it slows down. There is never a moment where it ends. That is the culture of the world that seeks to clothe us with old clothes. And whilst old clothes might feel comfortable, the truth is we can't really wear them out, can we? You ever worn your old clothes out to the shops? 
I, I, I did once. My kids are at the stage now where they say, Dad, you're embarrassing us. Can you put on some clothes? When my brothers come around, the first thing they say is, have you got a T-shirt on? I can't go out like that. Yet, I think sometimes that's how we live our life, don't we? We don't live our life like a masterpiece. You are in partnership with Jesus. Today, I want to I want you to enter into your calling afresh. Today, I want you to feel the challenge that requires faith. It really requires faith. In fact, what is Christianity if it weren't for faith? Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Faith, faith, faith. I want you to believe that you've been called. I want you to believe that even with all your warts and imperfections and failings, that you are still called. I want you to believe that Jesus himself is your priestly undergarments. And because he is your undergarment, and because he is your sacred clothing, there is no shame. You do not need to hide. In fact, you need to get out there and show. That takes faith. Maybe it's time to renew your mind this week. What are you going to do this week to renew your mind? What step are you going to take to renew your mind? Because if you ever think you're there, you've just bought into the culture of the world. If you ever think you've made it and you've got it, and what I'm saying is, is irrelevant, then you're already in the culture of the world and you're wearing old clothes. It's time to put on the, the, the new clothes. It's time to put on the new. It's time for God to renew all things, starting with us. I just would say one closing thought. It is the deepest cry of my heart that this church in the Greek is the ecclesia, the called out ones. You know what that means? We, we, we have a precious responsibility to one another. We have a precious accountability to one another. The whole reason why we're here today is because hopefully we realise that we're not called to be alone. We're called to be together. So my prayer, my hope, is that you take this renewed sense of your calling, but you share it with someone else. And, and, and you don't just talk about the things that are lovely to talk about, like the weather and, and you know, gardens and, sorry, Ford Escorts. And, you, you don't just talk about those things, although they're as good as they are. But maybe, just maybe, you, you come aside someone and you say, how's, how's the renewing of your mind going? Can I pray for you? I, I, just, I just want to pray for you. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you, but I'm going to pray for you. And I wonder if you would pray for me. How powerful would that be if that was a habit, a regular habit of our church community? Yes, I know you have people who you pray with now, but the Bible doesn't say you only need one and that's it. I believe we're called to do this as part of our lifestyle. So would you make it a point over the coming weeks to not just take steps that renew yourself, but you take steps to pray for others, to stand with others, to encourage others as we together renew our minds. 
I don't want to be dead. I want to stay alive. And I know you do too. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, these precious people, Lord, these priests who have been called by you into partnership with what you're doing in the world. Lord, I pray that we would put off the culture of this world, that we would put away those things that are not from you, and instead we would put on the new mind, that we would, we would take on the priestly garments. Lord, we would wear you. You are our new nature. Lord, being in you is wearing those garments. Lord, you are the only one who can give us dignity and honour. You are the only one who can cover our shame. You are the only one who can truly transform us and renew us so that we can be partners in your work. Lord, I pray for each person here. Lord, may they experience renewal over and over and over again. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. I trust you've been renewed and that you will take steps this week. Please stay with us for a cup of tea and coffee. Um, as soon as we find out